Hey, genre junkies. Tonight's spooktacular episode is a little different. We're going to talk about two short stories, and since they're short, no more spoiler warnings beyond this one right now. Also, one of the stories deals with some pretty graphic violence, including sexual assault. If this disturbs you, we'll have timestamps in the show notes. With that being said, come and have some Halloween fun with us and enjoy this happy, happy Halloween special. Everybody and welcome to our final sad installment. It's not sad, it's well, exciting. It's, it's sad because it means my Christmas is almost over. That's why it's sad because this is Spooktober. We're still going to have fun. We're going to live in the moment and enjoy it while it lasts. Uh hi Scott. Hi Sandra. So that's Scott. That's um, you know That was that was audibly unpleasant. I swallowed as I said that. <laughs> I'm going to warn everybody, it's a little bit of a party here tonight. This is kind of our bonus episode. Um, me and Scott are here, of course, as always. And we have a special guest tonight. Hello, special guest. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jen. This is my best friend, our longtime friend. She's a diehard, awesome horror fan. She knows her shiz. And we decided we needed to have her on our Halloween episode because she also loves Halloween. Woo woo. So thank you for joining us, Jen. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I'm so glad that you came to read the book that you two read, because I, I would not have been able to handle it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's right. And he's not talking about Sleepy Hollow. That is super awesome. I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to get into that story, <laughs> but that's going to come second. We're going to ease you into this fun episode. This is like, a, it's going to be kind of like a family sandwich. It'll be family friendly at the beginning, not family friendly in the middle, and then you can bring the kids back at the end. <laughs> So the first story we read was the classic, The Headless Horseman by Washington Irving, uh, published 1820. I read this before, probably been a good 10 years since I've read this. You guys, have you read this before? I actually don't think I've ever read the original story. Yeah. I definitely hadn't read it. I'd watched, of course, the Disney movie. Well, the Disney movie is fantastic. It's one of our favorites, right? It is. I everyone agree? Of course. <laughs> I had forgotten how much I absolutely love this story. Um, it kind of happens whenever I read a classic that I haven't revisited in a while. I'm like, oh yeah, I like this. I like classics. It's wholesome. It's kind of spooky. And I think it's important to kind of keep the story alive in pop culture as well as kind of passing it on for next generations to read because it's a really cool early American folktale, you know, and we don't really have a lot of those being such like a young country, I, I don't feel. What would you guys think? Jen, you go first. For me, it's actually been a hot minute since I've read anything <laughs> early American, um, <laughs> right? you know, uh, and I found that I just really enjoyed the writing style. It's so atmospheric, oh my which, God. especially with anything spooky or yeah. oh, for Halloween or anything yeah. like that, it's so important. And it's a, I, I feel like it's a lost art in a lot of ways. I like that you said that. It is like a lost art in a lot of ways. Because there's like, I'm sorry, Scott, we will get to you. Um, but she, <laughs> she just said that and that made me think of it. Because like, it's funny. Like, it's not like, lols, funny. No. It's like, of its time period funny, there's like lots of alliterations. Yeah, I is don't it, know. 
there's a lot of similes in it. Think yes. this is was like this, and this was like well, the other. A, Turns of phrase. If you're a literary geek at all, yeah. or or you know maybe you should have been an English major. <laughs> um, I think you can appreciate all of all of that. Right, because and that's part of it that makes me think it's almost lost, like having those silly little turns of phrase and stuff. And like, I was actually like, I mean, I guess it is kind of lols. I laughed out loud at a few of them. Scott, what was kind of your just general takeaway as a first timer? Well, I was really happy with how descriptive it was. Mm -hmm. It really was very rich prose. Yes. So much time is spent on the description of the characters and the place and the houses and the settings. Most of the book really is just a setup for the very short story of the Headless Horseman. Oh, yeah. I mean, the actual action that you get is maybe half a page. <laughs> right. Honestly. Yeah. If cuz I was like you could be as someone who has never read it before, I was like, "Well, okay, I get where we're setting up." And I was like, "We're getting awfully close to the end of this book and nothing's <laughs> actually really happened yet." I mean, right? I'm enjoying it. I'm along for the ride, but yeah. when when do we actually get down to it? Yeah, but, wh- when does he come out here? But you know, you you enjoyed it. It creates the the suspense and the scene in your mind and you can envision these characters and it gives them a real it gives you just a sense of place and mm-hmm. people in a way that I feel like saying John is tall and dark haired doesn't really <laughs> encompass rather right. than I'm gonna give you four paragraphs of how John yes. is tall and awkward. And that's totally especially uh for Ichabod and Brombone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They both get these big descriptions. And it is, it's like tall tailish. It's like folk tailish. Yeah. Well what's incredible is I wasn't expecting the image of Ichabod Creed that I had in my head from the Disney movie to be exactly how he's described oh. in the book. It's actually yeah. pretty, like, synced up. Spot on, yeah. yeah, for sure. The story and the movie. So, of course, there's, we love the Disney adaptation. Did any of us actually watch or is watching the show, Sleepy Hollow? You know what? I watched the first few, maybe like four or five episodes mm-hmm. of it. It got weird yeah. and like wonky. And so, I, I mean, it just, it wasn't my jam. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed when I was reading this book, I kept thinking of the Johnny Depp God, movie, yes. which they, you know, they, they obviously changed a lot of things. Right. I feel the entire like, profession is different. Well, the <laughs> yeah. entire profession, the fact that Ichabod lived in this town, this guy's a visitor. And yeah, there's, yeah. There's a million things that they changed, but I feel like they got a really good tone yeah. through the movie, and and like the way that they chose to weave the characters in was like really interesting to me. I agree. Like, I think the choices they made are awesome. And that movie came out. I'm oh god, god late. Yeah, let's not go there. But it was late '90s. Yeah, but it still really holds up. And of course, it's Tim Burton, and he's awesome. Yeah. But I agree. For like an adaptation, when you think of it, it's like. They kind of made all the right choices well, for an adaptation. Because it had that atmospheric quality that the book has. Mm-hmm. They just had, I mean, you have to give it more plot than, <laughs> right. uh, than three paragraphs <laughs> right. if you're going to make a full-length movie about it. Right. We can't so. spend all that time on the description <laughs> and the beautiful sense of place. <laughs> yeah. So I think they did a really good job in like weaving in like all these, because I, I remember like all the characters that they mentioned, I was like, oh, yeah, they might be different in the movie. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, yeah, I know that name. Exactly. And so it was kind of cool to see how they chose to, like, weave them differently and create this whole other thing. But still, Mm -hmm. you know, was true to the spirit of the book, I think. 
I totally agree. And and I love how they fleshed out, especially the Hessian oh, character, yeah. the Headless Horseman himself. Little bit of history for those who don't remember. Uh, Hessians were German soldiers that were hired by the British. They especially, in terms of American history, were big for us in the Revolutionary War, fighting against the colonials, us bloody colonials, uh, for the British. And in the story, it's the Headless Horseman is thought to perhaps be a Hessian who got his head taken off by a cannonball, actually. And of course, in the movie, he's played by the beloved Christopher Walken, though he doesn't actually have any speaking lines. He doesn't need them. He doesn't need them. No, he's got those filed down teeth and He's just a badass looking. Yeah. I love that. And um, you guys, you think that it's supernatural, right? You don't think it was Brom Bones that ran him off the road? No. It's, it's a ghost. Another thing that I really liked that I thought they captured really well mm-hmm. in the movie, too, was when he threw his head yes! at Ichabod. Because I remember that scene in like the movie, too, yeah, where yeah. Like, the head gets thrown. Uh-huh. And he totally does. It's like he's... Uh, like a quarterback, and he's throwing a Hail Mary. <laughs> yes, I'm going to get hit. You're going to get hit. And even says he gets like, hit, he gets hard enough to get thrown off his horse. Yeah. Well, it makes more sense knowing that the Headless Horseman lost his head with a cannonball, knowing how Ichabod is killed or is scared off. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about Ichabod. He's kind of a creep, right? <laughs> I don't love Ichabod as a, I mean, I love him. He's a woman as a woman as a. <laughs> I mean, I love him as this character, as a great character. Yeah. But I'm like, he's kind of icky, right? He's I kind don't of know. like a leech. <laughs> yes, thank you. He is. Like, when did teachers stop becoming like itinerant travelers? Itinerant. That's a hard word to say. Like, they're basically these homeless people. And they, like, lived on your farm? When did that stop? Well, I think for him in particular, because of his voracious appetite. He was a glutton. Like that. Yeah. Yes. Which is weird because he's not fat because he's just tall and, like, super weird and lanky. But hell of a metabolism. Yeah. Which, God, if we, if we all could have <laughs> if we that. we could all be Ichabod's metabolism, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, fe- I feel like it all played into this great portrait of him because i kind of liked him though well right because he's kind of he's like that awkward guy but he has a certain amount of charisma because it seems that people do like having him over yeah because he's got this like weird set of skills <laughs> i have a particular set of skills because <laughs> he apparently can sing and dance and like he's a performer yeah like, and so he's- he he lost his calling as a street performer, I think. Right? He should have been a street performer. <laughs> um, Scott, would you say he's a lech? <laughs> I know you love that word. I wouldn't say that he's a lech because he doesn't... Nothing about his interaction with the women of the town is extremely sexualized, <laughs> but he definitely gets around. He yeah. loves the attention of women. Yes. And ultimately, he's very greedy Yes. The only reason he's interested in this woman is because of her money, is because of her family and her property. Right. You know what? I disagree with that. Oh, oh, really? Please. I think I think it's also I think it's it's a combination of that. And she's also very fetching. She is very pretty. I had to write this down because I love it. She's plump as a pheasant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But I would, but that's still very shallow. He wants, well, yeah. and I'm like, Ichabod, what do you have to bring to this? Like, this is the most profitable farm. You're going to run this farm into the ground. What do you oh, know about yeah. farming? He does well, it says that he helps the other farmers around town. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think it's a stretch from, you know, you hoe a row to, <laughs> sudden, to suddenly you're running the Van Tassel estate. I love that he's such a chicken. He's he's very superstitious, which plays into the movies as well. They keep that. Oh, yeah. And actually, as the last time that I read this book, I wasn't as well versed in uh, who Cotton Mather was, who wrote the history of witchcraft. Mm. And I like that I know a little bit more about him now and that they even put in there that Ichabod has that book. Oh, yeah. That's one of his big skills, what he has to contribute when... um. I just love that everybody's always telling ghost stories and stuff, and he contributes these weird tales of Inquisition. <laughs> but I, I could definitely, speaking of the ghost stories, I could picture myself sitting around with the little old ladies, and we're like peeling carrots or something, oh, yeah. and telling stories of, from the old country of goblins and ghosties. Yeah. I feel like they're my kind of people, actually. What did you feel about the moral of the story? What what will let's start with you? What did you feel about the moral yeah, of the what, story? What do you think the moral of the story is? <laughs> yes. The moral Question of the mark. story is you're better off being spurned by a Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> that well, was the moral of the story. Before I say my moral of the story, I would also like to note that Katrina Van Tassel wears shorter petticoats to expose her lovely foot and ankle. <laughs> and, I'm a, and I was like, you know what? Get it, girl, yeah. because they were so oppressed in that day. You gotta sometimes show that ankle. Gotta do what you can. Moral of the story. <sighs> well, I guess it's kind of tough because... In a way, like, since Ichabod does kind of represent almost, to me, like, this laziness and this, like, gluttonous, there's a little something about greed in there, maybe. But for for me, more of the takeaway is just this really beautiful little folktale. Yeah, I thought it, I didn't think it was a moral story, personally. Yeah. I don't feel like there's a huge takeaway. I think you can easily read into it based upon our characters. Yeah. I think the big thing is, is it is just a folk story, a ghost story. Yeah. And it's just sort of like a fun little romp tale. Yeah. yeah. And you guys agree it's an important part of history. You think the kids should keep reading this? Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. And Scott, you th- you didn't really weigh in, I don't think. You think it's supernatural or you think it was... Brom Bones ran him off the road. I think it was absolutely Brom Bones. <gasps> yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. What? You don't think it was the Headless Horseman? No, I think it was Brom Bones. And I think that that was Ichabod in the end asking the storyteller what the point of the story was. So then what did Ichabod do? What, what did he do? You think he was just shamed then and he left? I think he was so scared and he was so ashamed that he was spurned by the mother that he left town and he really did become a lawyer in New York. <laughs> Wow. So, okay, here is, per the, per the storyteller, what the point of this story is. That there is no situation in life but has its advantages and pleasures, provided we will but take a joke as we find it. That, therefore, he that runs races with goblin troopers is likely to have rough riding of it. Ergo, for a country schoolmaster to be refused the hand of a Dutch heiress is a certain step to high preferment in the state. Wow. That's the joke. That's the joke. The whole short story is a joke that the Dutch suck. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I thought of of anyone, Sandra, you would appreciate that. Okay, the reason before all of our Dutch listeners... 
right in angry. We comments know there here. is one of you. We know there is one of you, and thank you. Bless your heart. Um, I'm from Finland. My family is Finnish, and it's a long-standing thing that Finns and the Dutch don't get along. Um, Our Dutch listener just left us. Right. <laughs> and I will say that I'm here to break that cycle. I love Dutch people. I love you. And I'm sorry that Washington Irving did not feel the same, apparently. I don't, we're speechless. Mind blown. I mean, honestly, I didn't think that there was a, I'm going to guess with anything, if you re, if you dig, here's your shovel. Here's Here's your your shovel. shovel. Yeah. Now start digging. You're going to find a lesson, a moral. (laughs) Right. In a story. That for some reason, everybody was against the Dutch (laughs) back in the day. So we're going to move on. We're going to move on. And this is where I step out. <laughs> Scott is stepping out, but at the same Scared. time, he's not really leaving. Everybody, don't worry. I know you love Scott. He's not really leaving us. I'm helping Stitches produce the podcast over here. So I'll just, he I'll just, just be doing that. He just nothing to say about this particular topic. I had told him he would not like this. This short story is for a very particular taste of audience. Let's have a little backstory first about this short story. Short story is Pen Light by Ryu Murakami. I first read this in an old now issue of Zoetrope magazine, and it was in there. Uh, this is a short story from Ryu Murakami's book uh, Tokyo Decadence, I believe, and it's like it's a collection of like five different books in there. Sorry if I'm getting that a little wrong. My research is a little spotty. When I first read this, I was really disturbed. It's a gross, disturbing story. I kind of sat there dumbfounded, and then I immediately read it through again. And it was one of those things that I, for years now, have never had anybody to discuss it with. (laughs) Because it's something, the subject matter, things that happen, would upset a lot of people. Not no, Jen. Not this person. Because I'm a weirdo, apparently. Well, and you know what? That's good, because I think that the story's brilliant. It's just really depraved. It is. I guess, should I give a little backstory first on the story? Yeah. The synopsis? Yeah. It's about a call girl in Tokyo uh, who has a dead opera singer in her head named Kiyomi. Kiyomi is cultured smart. She's a lady. She's everything our little narrator is not. Our narrator is distant. She's aloof. She's almost nihilistic. And our girl, one night, meets a nutritionist who is also a psychiatrist. And things get weird on their little adventures over the next couple of evenings. Yes. That is a fair synopsis. I knew that when I first read this, I was like, there is more going on. This is good stuff. I need to talk it out with somebody. So, Jen, here it is at last. Talk to me about Penlight. So I came into this book with the intro that I would be, quote unquote, traumatized. <laughs> so I I do feel like that colored my reading of it. I had to um, be fair because this could upset a lot of people. It could. It could. But maybe she doesn't know my level of <laughs> deprivation. I will say, so you can get through most of this story. Until you get to the last page. Yeah. With, without there being too much, uh, you know. Too much upsetting content. Exactly. But the last page is nasty. It's nasty. It's nasty. I will preface this by saying um, it is not the most traumatizing, depraved thing I have ever read. Which maybe I will reveal that later in this podcast. Um, I think you're going to have to. And uh, then I think I'm going to have to read it. Because oh, 
in all these years of friendship, I don't think we've ever had this discussion. This is this is newsworthy, people. This um, is groundbreaking. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get there. Okay, we're gonna get there. So, so yeah. So I was thinking that this was. I went into this thinking this is gonna be bad. This is gonna be terrible. This is gonna be like the worst thing ever. Right. And then I got to the end and I finished it, and I literally read that last page four times last night. That last depraved page four times because I was like, am I missing something? Oh, my God. Okay. Well, first of all, that's a little disturbing. (laughs) That's probably why we're friends is because you can handle this stuff with me. I can. I guess it should be fair. There is a sexual assault and that's never okay. Well, no, it's not. Yeah. That's not really. It's not in very graphic detail, though. No, which I think is is part of why I was like, is this going to get worse? Because, right. or am I missing something? Am I missing a level? Because it's like, and I, I was like, do I need to go back and reread the whole thing? Is there mm-hmm. something that I'm missing? Because, and I, and I hate that feeling because yeah. you're like, I, I know, there's did, something did here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did and it I, fall out of the book No, somewhere? and I would say that this was a great story. And I mean, in yeah. terms of like horror and like being like, even like, even if you don't read that last page, it's great. It is a good, it's, I you mean, don't even need that. You don't even need that last like little bit of depravity. Like yeah. that just gets gross and weird. Um, <laughs> just to like, b- between her and her inner conflict with this, 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 uh, dead opera singer who's operating in the same space she is and this yeah. nutritionist and there's like this weird thing that's happening there. Yeah. That's great stuff. It is great stuff and it's it's psychologically mm-hmm. it's psychological horror. Yeah. Um Mr. Murakami has written a great many things as I said and a lot of people will know him for writing what audition was based off of mm. which is a wonderful Japanese horror movie uh not for the squeamish or faint of heart. I think part of what makes this whole story disturbing to me is that it's conversational. Mm. Nothing, because the narrator is, like I said, she's almost nihilistic. So it's like, she should be more upset about these things that are happening, but she says them just so flippantly. And that's what's creepy to me. Yeah, I could definitely get on board with that. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, this is my spoiler. So, okay. I know you refuse to read him. I know you're just uh, Chuck Palahniuk. Yes. Yeah. But the most disturbing thing I have ever read is Haunted by Chuck Palahniuk. Oh, and, sorry. I don't know how to say his name. Uh, <laughs> and which I'm not even sure if I'm saying right I either. Just call him Chuck. Chuck. Everyone in every, because I've read a few of his books, they have that flippant demeanor. And it's yeah. just sort of like everything's sort of set off the cuff. But they're doing these like terrible, horrible things that are happening so this had like a very much the same sort it had of that like vibe. tone about yeah. it, except it didn't go quite as deep as some of his <laughs> stuff has gone. Right. Um, so he leaves little to the imagination. He, yes, absolutely. I and I, and I I should say it's not that I refuse to read him because of his content necessarily. I, I don't know. I feel like for me, this isn't related to Jen's opinion, but that he got very hyped for me and I found him very much of a letdown. Mm. But now that I know that that's the most disturbing thing you've ever read, I, I definitely want to read it. And I think there was another one, Damned, I think. Well, you know, he's coming out with a new book next year. <gasps> is he really? He is. Ooh, stay he tuned, is. And apparently people. it's really terrible. <laughs> 
So there's not really much point. I mean, you know, it's a short story, so it's kind of hard to be spoilery or not spoiler with it. Do you think that Kiyomi is real and really lives in her head? Or do you think she's um, unwell? I don't know. I mean, like you, I think I like to believe in the actual spirit. That's where we go naturally. We yeah, believe it's I, I do. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, looking at it from a logical perspective, I think she's probably the quote unquote nutritionist, psychiatrist guy <laughs> yeah. is probably correct in his assertion that Kiyomi is the person that she could be. Yes. If she, you know, put all put all into it, because he psychoanalyzes her, and he's like, because he, it's she's a call girl, but he's not interested in sleeping with her. He's more interested in what is making her tick. Yeah, and so I think, as much as I hate to say it, I don't think I don't think Kiyomi's real. Yeah, in this one, I, you know, I like to believe in the ghosty, but I think it's <laughs> even creepier the fact that she's not real in this, and that. The, um, what, did we get her real name? We don't know her real name. Oh, yeah. Our narrator. Our narrator. I think it's even creepier that she is so adamant in ignoring this part of her brain for, for all of these, when it comes to the nutritionist. Well, right, because there's a point when Kiyomi is like, like begging and she's crying. Like, there's something wrong with this person. Yeah. You need to get out. And basically, our narrator just allows herself to be dragged along by this man he's getting her incredibly intoxicated i mean to the point where she can like like not walk like she's yeah. really not okay and she's not getting out of this situation that she's basically getting trapped in yeah and yeah and kiyomi's like screaming at her to get out of it yeah so they're out and they get drunk and they go back to his house and they drink more then that's where things get really intense. Yeah. When she's drunk in the toilet and sees all of this happening from, like, the bathroom. A couple other guys come in, including an, an older sensei is what they describe him as. And they have a woman with him. With yes. them. And she's kind of bound and gagged. Yeah. So right- <laughs> Wearing, like, a rucksack, basically. <laughs> yes. It says, like, the type of bag you put vegetables in. Yeah. And I was like, oh, dear God. And they proceed to torture this woman and film it, jack off to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they set, well, one of them especially sexually assaults the woman. They shave her head. Yep. They blow up at a little inflatable pool. Um, she's like defecating and urinating and kind of having to be forced in it. They're like pinching her with things over her mouth like a clothespin. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm sorry, guys. This is like, and then they cut shit. off her feet. Then they cut off her damn feet with a saw, and they put some sort of foam over it to yeah. like stop the bleeding. I don't Probably. know. Probably, yeah. I, I don't know if that's a real thing, but it, it happened here. And this is clearly what was going to possibly befall our narrator. Yeah, she is able to get out of the situation because I guess the guys are kind of spent. <laughs> They're done. They're done the for one. the time. And our narrator kind of goes about her day Yeah. after that. She throws up, but it's not really a big deal. And then she, like, wants something to do. So she has her agency uh, dispatcher to somebody. She's kind of just playing with the little pen light that she was going to give the nutritionist as a gift. Yeah. 
last line of the book is I shone the light on my ankles and said, look, Kiyomi, my feet are still connected. And then I started laughing, too. That's Kiyomi's pretty cry- creepy. Kiyomi's crying in there someplace. Yeah. How you doing over there, Scott? Hey, not doing very well. (laughs) I mean, this is nasty. This is horrible stuff. And I don't think that Mr. Murakami wrote this to just upset people. No, I think I think the purpose and I think you made a very good point of this um, is the all the disgusting and like depraved stuff. The point is, and this happens, I think, a lot with Chuck's books, too, mm-hmm. is the real depraved part is not that these people are doing this, mm-hmm. but then you have this person who, like, continues on their life. She didn't do anything like, to stop it. Like, she didn't it. do anything to stop it, and then she laughs about it and, like, carries on. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's the real depraved person, even though they didn't actually, like, participate in it. Yeah. It's like... That person's scary, too. It's like, you know, even if she didn't feel safe in the moment, it's like you go to the police, you do something. Yeah. But instead, she kind of just let it be. And I guess it says something to the state of society that you Mm -hmm. just kind of were also... um, what am I trying to say? We all are so quick to turn the other cheek. Yeah, like, yeah. And, like, not, and, like, just, you know, it's not. Not get involved. Not, yeah, I'm not getting involved. It's not happening to me. And we're so Some, jaded. And someone else will take care of it. And actually, this yeah. is something I, uh, interesting that I read. It's mm-hmm. um, a phenomenon that, that occurs in large groups mm-hmm. is when you see something that happens that you're like, this is wrong, yeah. but you're in a large group of people, uh-huh. like, chances are nobody's going to do anything. Because they think somebody else is going to do something. Right. And so, like... It's big. It's deep stuff. That's why, like, I needed somebody to discuss this with. Because I'm like, I don't think he would have wrote this just for that sake. Because his stories have usually a a bigger social kind of context. I I 100% agree but it's like i wanted someone else to suffer through it with me <laughs> well that's good i'm glad you chose me because it yeah. wasn't like true suffering for me because right. i have read more depraved things but yeah i like i do i'm and i'm glad i got to talk this out with you because yeah. i was like i felt like i was missing the point until i could dig with someone else i'm like okay what, what am i trying to get out of this right what am i supposed to get out of this because sometimes you just read things and you're like ah <laughs> especially with horror yeah you expect the face value scare yeah but sometimes like the scare is layers deeper absolutely and and i feel like i've watched in movies more depraved things oh, yeah. i mean i've we watch a lot of horror movies jen and i is my my go-to horror movie buddy yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, there's some nasty, you know, degloving is worse. <laughs> oh a degloving God. in a movie is God, worse. I'd rather lose a foot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's something about reading it, and it's written so beautifully, mm-hmm. too, that you're like, that's what makes it disturbing, right? Is- well, especially when, like, I think I give horror writers such huge props because. It takes, like, you got to have some, like, deep mindset to, Mm -hmm. like, be able to put into words so people can, like, 
vividly imagine what is happening to the extent that you want it to. Well, uh, right. And especially if you're like a really descriptive writer or if Mm -hmm. you're kind of a minimalistic writer. Like he's more minimalistic. You could go either way and have it be effective. I totally agree. Makes me think that you should write more. Jen is a very good (laughs) fiction writer. She has a small child, so it's a little put on hold. (laughs) But uh, I appreciate since you are a good writer – your perspective on books. Thank you. That's one of the reasons we keep you around. <laughs> Any final thoughts on Penlight? No, I thought it was... I think a, we kind of did it. Yeah, it was pretty solid. You know, want a little, like, if you want to go deep, go trauma. Yeah. Just read it. I mean, it's it's quick. It's, what, like, eight pages? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a short story. Yeah, it is, it is to the truest extent, a short story. But it is, uh, it's it's good. And especially the psychology of it is great, too. Yeah. Even if you don't make it to the end. Even if you don't, even if you wuss out before the final page. That's fine. And that's fine, too. It'll still yeah. be a good story for you. And that's why we read it for you. Yeah. <laughs> like Scott. Scott, I'm sure, is enjoying this discussion. But is he going to touch this story with a 10-foot pole? Hell no. I'm sorry, you just say my name. I blacked out for about 20 <laughs> minutes there. <laughs> Somewhere around inflatable bathtub, you just kind of were like, no, I know where this is going. That's going to leave a mess. That's why you have the bathtub. That's why you have that bathtub for easy cleanup and foot removal. Yep. All right, everyone. You just wait for our horror movie that's coming out. Oh, yeah. We have a lawn gestating horror movie. and um, We've thought of these things. Exactly. We've thought of some good scares for you. (laughs) So I... I'm going to take a quick little sip of wine break here, and then we're just going to have a little round table. I like that. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Hey, real quick. I messed up my mic on the second half, so that's why my audio is so bad. We had a lot of fun recording this, so I hope you can look past my error. Anyway, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. So now this is kind of the fun, silly part of the episode where we're not going to just stick to books. (laughs) Because this is a Halloween spooktacular episode. We're going to talk about kind of a lot of different pop culture Halloween Yay. things that we like to share with you guys. So maybe you have some things in common. Maybe we can shine a light on a few things that other Halloween lovers haven't experienced yet to help us all enjoy the season. And of course, um, if you have anything to add on social media, hit us up. I'd love to hear some of your suggestions and your favorites so we can be like, oh, that's what blah 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 said and now I'm gonna try it. All right, little round table discussion here. Jen, what is the, well we're gonna let you name a few, but what is your top Halloween movie? You've gotta watch straight Halloween. Um, I I feel like you need to like put that into two separate categories. Scary and family. Yes. Yeah, I kind of knew you. See, this is why we're friends. I I knew that was coming. And you know what? It's so funny for me. The family is way easier. Maybe because there's a little less to choose from. Yeah. Which I feel like that's a totally, maybe back in the 90s, I feel like they were producing a lot of family Halloween stuff, and I yeah. love it all, but yeah. they, they're not doing as much anymore. Yeah. Um, but, I uh, agree. you know, obviously, I'm going to pick Hocus Pocus. Yes. 
has to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Which can also be a Christmas movie. It's true. I like it. It's, you know what, I can start watching it October, continue watching it till January 1st. Yeah. And now you just introduced <laughs> your son to it. He Yes. And he got through the whole thing and he liked it. He's just at that age where he is starting to kind of like really get stuff out of movies. Yes. Yeah. He'll actually be able to sit through things now, which is big. And he recognized um, the Pumpkin King keychain on my purse yes so i was so proud i'm like he was paying attention yes yeah um and then of course halloween town both Mm -hmm. one and two uh (laughs) (laughs) kind of fall out after the first two yeah i just do one and two um those would be my family picks for sure scary movie picks just regular i don't know i guess i'd have to go classic Mm -hmm. um the Exorcist. That was my OG That's scary OG. movie. Yeah. As and Scott can relate to this as a Catholic raised person. <laughs> that movie scared the bejesus out of me for many, many years. That's- I don't think I've, I have been as scared of any movie as I was the first time I watched The Exorcist. And it's like really funny because that's one of my background noise movies that I put on in the house. And I know that it's like I have to be careful and not do it when Scott's around. Oh, I'm sorry, there was one worse, and that was Rosemary's Baby. I was scarred for uh, see, I about three days. I didn't see that as okay, a child. Let's let's give you a little perspective here. Again, Scott is kind of a newbie to horror. He's a great horror fan. You know, and every horror fan's a little different, but he's kind of a newbie. So Rosemary's Baby traumatized him. Rosemary's Baby is my favorite movie ever. I have a tradition. I always watch it when I wrap Christmas presents. <laughs> and also to give you more of a scale of Jen's depravity. She watched that movie for the first time when she was pregnant. That's true. Who does I that? Did. Who does that? I did. And you know what? This cool kick-ass girl. Maybe I. it didn't bother me that much. That's <laughs> wonderful. I'm glad. I'm glad. I was like, I'm not that bitch. No, I'm not that girl. It's fine. Scott, what are a couple of your favorites movie-wise? Well, Hocus Pocus is absolutely at the very top of the list. I can watch Hocus Pocus every day from here until eternity. You can get it for $4 at Target right now. You heard it here first. No. Oh. Just rig. Oh, Maybe see, it's no, $10 Blu-ray. I don't, I don't buy movies anymore unless I, I absolutely have to. I don't to. either, but I needed it. For- yeah, I mean, it's a necessary thing. Because none of us had it. None yeah. of us have owned it, which is, like, a shame. I know. I think we just keep recording it off of TV and, like, just keep watching it until it falls off the DVR. Yep. Halloween Town, Scott. Did I introduce you to Halloween Town? You did. I had never watched it before you showed it to me. And I love it. I know, which Magic. is crazy to me that you hadn't watched that before. But uh, another really scary movie, for me at least, is The Witches. Oh, The Witches. Oh, you know, that scared me as a kid. Yeah, it did. Um, it's very frightening when they're turning into animals. Yeah, it, it is. It's a little disturbing, like when you're a child. But it's kind of fun. It's oh, just Angelica Houston. Oh, just she's it. a goddess. She's amazing. Um, for me, that movie is I. God, any anybody that's been following on following me on the internet for the last several years, I'm sure is sick to death of me writing about the witches and Return to Oz, but those are the things that shaped me into the twisted little weirdo I am. So I have a combined horror nightmare of (laughs) 
<laughs> the witches mixed with the animated David Copperfield. I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh my god, it's cats. <laughs> I have. <laughs> And they turn into cheese? Well, they turn into like these waxy, cheesy things. Scott thought that he had invented that out of a nightmare. And I told him, I was like, no, you didn't. That's from the 90s. It's an animated uh, all-cat version of David Copperfield. But my mind has combined these two movies, The Witches and David Copperfield, into this horrible image of transmogrification that's just (laughs) disgusting. Well, that's the most amazing thing about, like, I love about people's minds. Is, like, they totally, like, you totally, like, morph stuff. Yes! Has anybody else ever done that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure where you're like, knows. or something is so vivid, as Scott's mentioned this on the podcast, something so vivid and beautiful in a book that you're like, was that in a movie? And but it's it like, was. But it, but it wasn't because it was in a book because well, yeah. it was so descriptive. And or sometimes it was in a movie and you just totally forgot you'd ever seen that movie in your life. Because there's a trauma that happened. Yeah. No, it's weird. The, the human brain is crazy. One of our more recent favorites that I'd watched as a teenager, and now Scott and I watch every year, is Season of the Witch, Halloween. Oh, God, that's which been is, a minute. <laughs> which is, of course, John Carpenter, has nothing to do with Michael Myers. Um, it's all about masks that take over people's faces. So good. So, so good. One I think we all love is Trick or Treat. Oh yeah, when That's little Sam fun with short stories. We like the mm-hmm. yeah. We like that little that little Sam. Yeah, you know, teaching everybody the rules of Halloween. Yeah, and it's yeah, that's a fun one. Now here's one that's kind of cool. Are you talking about the one that we just were introduced to? Okay, you were just introduced to. Fair. Oh, about a year ago, last Halloween, Jen, you and I watched this movie, Tales of Halloween. Oh, yeah. And it was another um, anthology collection. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we kind of made the mistake of this was like our second or third movie. And we were uh, probably a couple bottles in. And we were both kind of like, we should be more sober for this because this is good stuff. Yeah. I've watched it since then with Scott. So good, you guys. Yeah, because there were some... Some good ones in there. That is, in my opinion, the best compilation of short movies I've ever watched. Ever. He loved it. Really? I had this stupid grin on my face (laughs) throughout the entire movie. It was so just fun and scary, but so much fun. So I think my new favorite Halloween and like spooky, like if you just want to watch something like really creepy is creep (laughs) creep is creepy i agree but it is good like it's quality like that movie stuck with i think both of us so good we've had a few texts back and forth about peach fuzz (laughs) and if you guys have seen that movie you know exactly what we're talking about if you have not seen creep go just watch it or put it in your queue for halloween the kids are asleep yeah you know you're pouring the wine you're eating their candy and watch this movie (laughs) Spoken like a true parent right there. Creep is a really fun movie, and the sequel is coming out. So uh, you can maybe, gosh, I don't know the exact date, but it should be out soon. And so then you can watch the first and the second one. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of over the found footage thing, but this this does it so right. It's a quick movie. Yeah. And it's scary on levels. Yes. 
And not like, not gory. So if you're not a gore person, mm-hmm. this is a great movie for you. Because it's going to be scary. It's going to it's gonna appeal to even your like gore person. Because I'm a little more gory than than you are, I think, a little uh, bit Yeah, in because general. you like slashers generally more than I, I do. I do. And I, torture porn doesn't really bother me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I do enjoy some torture porn as well. I know. Yeah. I know. You've warmed up to it over the years. You you were anti-torture porn for a little while. Except for Hostel. I've well, always yeah. loved Hostel. I know. You've always loved Hostel. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but this doesn't feature any of that, but it's, it appeals to everyone, I think. I agree. That is a great recommendation yeah. for a fun Halloween. Yeah. But not Halloween themed movie. Yeah. It's just going to be like a fun little like scare. And but, it's a smarty pants kind of movie. And you know what? You're not going to lose sleep over it. I promise. No, no, you're not. No. It, but yeah, it's nice for a reader because it's smarty pants. It is smarty pants. Yeah. So this is kind of funny, you guys, but I have to know. What's your favorite Halloween candy? Oh, you know. I think I do know. Oh, I think it's know. candy corn. I do. I actually specifically ought to mix because I want I want the candy corn. I want the Indian corn and I want the mar- uh what are they what do they call them? Um marshmallow pumpkins or whatever. Oh. There. I want Oh, all- the mellow creams? Mellow cream pumpkins. Yeah. I want all three of them and they're all beautifully arranged in something called an autumn mix. Now, do you eat one be- one one piece at a time or do you throw a few in? It depends on my mood. Okay, okay, okay. So it's like a Halloween trail mix. No, well, you, okay. So here's the thing is, in my experience, most of them taste the same. God, which I hate to admit, except for the Indian corn, because I swear to God, that dark brown bottom tastes like chocolate. So I will bite the bottom off of the Indian wow. corn. But I will, I'll throw the rest in my mouth. Although I like to, I do like to bite the top off the pumpkin. Yeah. Okay. I do. Do you, I do. The whole green part. Yeah, the whole green part. I mean, there's usually some orange in there too. It all tastes the same. Oh my god, you are hilarious, <laughs> Scott. What's your favorite Halloween tr- treat for candy? Well, it's a hundred grand, and it's oh. because I never eat it any other time of the year. But I love the bite-sized hundred grand. That's your jam. See, for me. It's Twix. Twix is your favorite candy all the year round. It though. is. Really? I didn't even know this about okay. you. Okay. Well, oh, how do you think I feel when I brought home a Snickers one day and she said, I hate Snickers. What? I do hate Snickers. She also hates Kit Kats. I do. Okay. I have like a thing about all three of these and the way that I eat them that is like the same across the board. What is that? You eat the caramel first? No. I like eat them in layers. Yeah. Like I a like sandwich? No. No, no, no. I eat, like, a top layer. Like, I'll eat, like... <laughs> like, so, okay. So, if it was a Twix, I would uh-huh. eat the caramel part uh-huh. first off of that with the chocolate. Uh-huh. And then I would eat the cookie part. Mm-hmm. So, two layers. If Kit Kat, I mean, like, depending on, like, how big I'm opening my mouth, I'm, like, <laughs> eating, like, two or three layers of, like, Kit Kat. This is if, great. <laughs> if I'm eating a Snickers, I'm, like, eating... One part probably caramel and <laughs> and peanut, and then one part like peanut and nougat. Yeah, like I eat them in half. That is so bizarre. I, I mean, know. I'm not judging you. It's That's just how bizarre. I like live my life. That you know what? <laughs> Own it. Now, see, my thing is, yes, I love Twix all the year round, but on Halloween, I give myself carte blanche. Scott's broken, by the way. Just trying to process how Jen eats uh, this candy. I give myself carte blanche 
to just eat that Twix and not let myself feel bad about it. I mean, like, I'll eat a lot of Twix. I also really like the weird kind of fruity candies that seem to like be in hibernation and only come out around Halloween. Like your Jujubees. Well, I'm saying no, like Jujubees are like a year round thing. at the dollar store. Yeah, at the dollar store. I'm gonna get me some jujubees. I love jujubees. Yeah, and dots. And dots. (laughs) See again, you can tell this person is a mother of a small child who's like, "How can I give this kid some candy every once in a while without like going broke?" No, I mean stuff like bottle caps and sweet tarts. That shit. Oh, Oh, I I love that. Sweeties. Oh, I love it. Actually, I do. I uh, Smarties. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. They're smarties. They're smarties. Okay, the Miss twist wrapper. Smarty Pants. No, it is. No, it's a smarty. I and you know what? Back in the day, I liked smarties, but um, not my jam anymore. Oh, see, I love that weird candy I, that only I, comes I out. I would sell my soul for Reese's though. That's, Pieces or top. no, like a legit, like anything that has like peanut butter. You and Scott are the same on that. Now, I love a Reese's, but I actually crave the pieces more than the cup. No, I need, I need to like, I need to chew it. You need that chewy mouth feel. I need, I need the peanut butter that I shouldn't have and that I love. Yeah. And I mean, that's my, going to be my arrangement with Finn for the next. That's her son. 10 years Mm -hmm. is, you know, you give me your Reese's and nobody gets hurt. I think that's fair. (laughs) I think that's fair. (laughs) So tell me, is the Switch Witch, is that really just an excuse to get all of your kids candy? So, okay. And I've actually thought about this because I was like, now, those of those who know me well, like, I was really anti-sugar uh, with Finn the first couple years of his life. Um, which I think is reasonable. Yeah, which is fine. Uh, it, and it's so fun to sneak. <laughs> and I mean, he's almost, he's three, he's beyond three now. And this is first Halloween and he's actually had a way, a lot of sugar this last year. Mm. Um, mostly cause he's had like birthdays and like things like that. He's and starting like, to go to parties. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to be that person who's like, you cannot eat cake at this party. And, yeah. And everyone's sitting around eating their cake except for Finn. <laughs> right. So it's like, it's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I actually saw a friend of mine, like, post something about the Switch Witch. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I was like, this is the first year he's actually, like, into trick-or-treating. Like, he gets it. Mm. And I'm like, oh, should I, should I maintain my sugar-free lifestyle and say, if you give me all your candy, the Switch Witch will bring you a present. Right. Which he'd be totally happy with, honestly, my kid. Yeah. He wants loves, the gifts. Loves quote unquote what he calls prizes. <laughs> um, but I'm like, uh, I was like, then I have to go buy him a present. Where the candy <laughs> is free. Yeah, the candy he just gets from the neighbors. <laughs> and I was like, or do I just be like, okay, you can have like a couple days of candy and then it magically goes away. Like who knows where the candy went? Well, then the That's- switch switch could come because then that buys you time. Well, the thing is like, I, th- I feel like I've got like two years of like, okay, oh, you ate all your candy. Yeah. Like, after, like, two or three days. Like, you like, got, like fooling him. Yeah, like, you got, like, one or two pieces, and then be like, oh, the candy's gone, and he probably right. wouldn't know. Well, and also, because then he's going to be older, and he's going to be probably trick-or-treating with friends. Yeah. And then that's harder to pull off. But I'm like, do I need to start the Switch Witch early? 
Maybe it's time. I don't know. Maybe if you're going to have the Switch, which I think you have to start it this year. I know, but I'm like, I don't know if I can commit to it because I already know I have to commit to the elf. Oh, the elf on the shelf is coming because auntie and uncle are buying the elf this year. <laughs> and you know he has to name the elf. Oh, we're going to name it for it's him. It's like a thing. As long as the elf brings mommy tequila, it's okay. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We got you covered, mommy. <laughs> But you know what? Maybe the Switch Witch could also bring a book with the gift. It's true. She could bring whatever. He won't be as excited about a book. She could bring whatever. She's welcome. (laughs) I was like, I'm just saying, he won't be as excited about a book. (laughs) So this is kind of fun to add a question for you guys. Is there any food that makes you think of Halloween besides candy? And not just fall, but a little bit of fall. Like for me... I gotta have my pumpkin seeds. We actually went out and got some extra big Aww. pumpkins so that we could cut them up to roast those seeds. And there's nothing better to me than kicking back on my couch. I'll have a glass of wine. I'll have my pumpkin seeds. I'll have my book. And I'm going to be happy. Um, For me, I guess I would say, now this is kind of like weird and random, but it's like a popcorn ball. Oh, no, I think that's great. I love popcorn Yeah, balls. so, because we had this, like, one neighbor growing up who, like, we went trick-or-treating and she always gave out popcorn balls. And they were, like, homemade popcorn oh, balls. Oh, that's the best. And, which, you know, you can't get away with now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't give unwrapped candy. <laughs> no. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, she always did popcorn balls. So, like, and I hated them as a kid, but, like, that's oh. something I associate now with like fall and halloween that's a great choice i agree i love um i could go for a popcorn ball and a cup of hot apple cider there you go sneak a little vodka in there you know what i'm saying a little caramel apple vodka maybe how about you scott (laughs) quite simply it's candy corn it's not my favorite candy it's probably not even close to my favorite candy i don't know that it's technically a food but i love having my first piece of of candy corn during the season Yeah, where it's nice and fresh <laughs> and clean. Yeah, no, it's true. I'm glad Brian has helped me um, get through my first and only bag of candy corn. Yeah, the autumn mix. The autumn this mix. Year. You didn't save me any. There's still like three pieces left. You wouldn't left. enjoy it. No, I do like some autumn mix. What? what? I eat it with. I eat it with you. You hate candy corn. I like it when I oh, eat it with this, my is, friends. Is this like the same thing with Chex Mix where you pick out all the little Chex pieces and leave all she of the pretzels the for me? Yeah. Maybe that's, uh, 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 you know what? I'm not going to confirm or deny this allegation. <laughs> um, now everybody loves the Halloween novelty song. Mm. For me, it's probably like one of my favorite songs ever is the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. Uh. That song makes me grin so hard. And it can actually make me laugh uncontrollably. I love it. I love that song. I cannot get enough of that song. How about you guys? You have a Halloween song? I would say I tend to lean really classical for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Give me a little like Fuegan G. Give me a little like Night on Bald Mountain. Oh, I feel that. But that's like all year round. <laughs> I know. But that's that's my Halloween jam in general i love it i love it how about you scott there's only one song that goes through my head whenever i'm talking to you about halloween or the spooky and that's spooky scary werewolf bar mitzvah (laughs) it runs in my head constantly well i'm glad anytime that to me is the highest compliment a person can give me is that i remind them of halloween (laughs) so i'm happy i'll take that tracy morgan 
or Tracy Jordan, Tracy Morgan. Which one's the actor? Which one's the character? Tracy Jordan is the character. character. So Tracy Morgan playing Tracy Jordan singing Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. There you go. Oh, that reminds rock. me of you. <laughs> I am basically a walking, talking Halloween novelty song, and I own that. Now, I think at this point, my love affair of Sleepy Hollow as a novel, little novella, has been rekindled. And I think I'm going to snuggle up under a blanket and read that every year with like a cup of cocoa. Because now it's like, because it is such a beautiful, fun book and I'm getting more out of it as I get older. I think that's a good kickoff. In terms of books around Halloween, I get really nostalgic from my goosebumps. Um, in my fear street and i don't own a lot of those anymore i have a couple of them but it makes me fondly reminisce is this is interesting because i was thinking about like horror books and stuff like that and i actually don't read a ton of horror um, you kind of read horror books when i tell you read this horror you, book. yeah you you do and i never regret it no thank you <laughs> but uh I think I was thinking about this and I was like, you know what? This would be like, I would reread this book over and over and over again. And this would be a great like Halloween or anything book. And I, I feel like we should do a segment on th- on this particular Go author. Um, FYI, mm-hmm. I feel like Joe Hill's Heart-Shaped Box oh, I was going to say the same thing. Is like an amazing horror book if you're looking for something we are actually planning to do a salute to joe hill i have a picture of myself with joe hill yes jen and i have gotten to meet joe hill (laughs) i've actually gotten to meet him twice i have had to cancel every single time he's come for a signing every single time i get a weird Uh, shift at work and i can't go or something happens yeah he is a fantastic horror writer and i think he needs no introduction but we've actually because we're like how could you pick so we're thinking like a salute to joe hill yeah. and heart-shaped box oh is my, my favorite so good yeah so good and that is definitely it's good for any time of the year but maybe you're the type of person that only reads spooky books around halloween that is one that should go straight to the top yes. of your list absolutely could not agree more i mean it's almost so hard because a lot of what we do here on our podcast is talk about horror books um so i mean the list could go on we and certainly on and have on. this month <laughs> <laughs> the list could go on and on and on with horror recommendations but i appreciate you uh putting him in there how yeah. about how about you scott i was gonna suggest heart-shaped box too. <laughs> it's so good i, I know so scary. it really is so good and i'm, I'm I'm disappointed that you stole it from me. No. Well, that just means it's that good. You all should read it. Right. That's like a triple endorsement. Yes. But I have another one. And Sandra, I think you'll appreciate this. Hit me. So this author comes with some baggage, and I understand that. But Orson Scott Card's Maps in a Mirror. Oh, that is a fantastic collection of short stories. And a lot of them are scary as hell. Particularly the first section, which is labeled Tales of Dread. It is so scary, and it's so well-written. Orson Scott Card, despite what you may think of him or how you feel about him, he really does get horror. Well, I guess that's going to conclude our spooktacular season. Thank you guys so much for joining us and celebrating spooktacular goodness all month long. I really appreciate it. And of course, since we are genre junkies, we're going to talk about horror other times of the year. But we had to dedicate October to horror because it's my podcast and I require it. Thank you, Jen. 
Thank you, Sandra. Thank so you. happy to have you here. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You As did. you should be. Oh, no, you did great. <laughs> oh. Thank you so much. And you guys, this is her first podcast ever. And I think she did fantastic. She's a good reader. She's a smart cookie. Um, we'll tag her in our Instagram post so you can go and follow her and become friends with her because she's rad. Everybody have a safe and fun Halloween. Say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody. And please spend the last part of your Halloween in the wee small hours reading past your bedtime. I am basically a walking, talking Halloween novelty song, and I own that. (laughs) (laughs) We've been drinking champagne. I'm sorry, it's a party, guys. We're having our own little Halloween party here tonight. I'm not going to apologize for that. (laughs) Don't, don't. So, kind of on... It might not make the cut, though. (laughs)